for us, and you have made us free today, right now. And we are free to go out of this place and preach your word openly, wholeheartedly, without fear, with freedom in Christ. We praise you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Farmington Baptist Church. Good morning. <laughs> okay, that, that's a little better. <laughs> we are a free people. Isn't that amazing to just be worshiping God and praising the fact that we are free in Christ? That's what our message is going to be about today. I'm excited about this because I like this time of year. And what an awesome time to pair this idea, this concept of freedom with Christ with Independence Day. So we're going to do that today. Um, Pastor Philip, just want to let you all know, uh, I forgot to say this in the first service, but he is, he has been at the beach. So good for him. He's actually taken some time off. It's hard, I know that's hard for him to do, but he has done that, and I hope he had a great, awesome week. Uh, but he left things in my hands to be in charge with for today. So we are going to go full power, hopefully. Anyways, I very patriotic. And looking around, it looks like a lot of you are also very patriotic. I see a lot of red, white, and blue. Um, I love this time of year. I love to just celebrate the fact that we are in this, this nation, in this country. Um, I am a firm believer that God has allowed this nation to be what it is for a lot of reasons. Not that America is perfect. By no means is this, is this nation perfect. But man, God has blessed so many people in this country and in this world. And I'm very grateful, very, very um, happy to be in this country. And so I, I, I've always been super patriotic. And actually, last year, um, Sunday was on the 4th of July. And I, was, I, was, I said, you know what? I'm going to put an American flag and strap it to the back of my Jeep. And I'm going to ride in church, ride to church in style. So I did that. So I put a star-spangled banner. It was on the back of the Jeep, and I was going down the road, and it was flapping. And one thing I didn't realize is I got here before anyone else got here to church. So no one saw me drive into the church with this awesome flag flapping and my patriotic swag going on. And I was like, oh, whatever, maybe, maybe after church. So I was really excited to go home. So as I was locking up and the last people were leaving, same thing happened. And in fact, I saw Aaron Sink, he was coming around the back side, and I was like, oh, there's someone. And I was trying to get over to him, and then he flies down the road and goes the other way. I was like, oh. So I did not get to share my swag with anyone at church that day. Even going home, I think I, I passed about two people on the road. No one saw the American flag flapping in the wind. But I tell you that to say that I, my whole life, I've always been very, very patriotic. I just, I, I love it. I love this time of year. Um, there's someone in this church, there's a couple, that they have done the most unpatriotic thing I think I've ever seen before. And now, before I throw them under the bus, because I'm about to, pretty hard, they're an awesome couple. I love these guys. They love Jesus. They love each other. They love this church. They serve their community they're great parents. They're like those people that you look at and you're like, man, that's what I want to be like. Like that's the type of people that they are. 
But they do this thing that is so unpatriotic. What they do is they go to England every 4th of July. What in the world? How, how could you go to the place that we were liberated from and spend Independence Day in the land that we sought independence from? How unpatriotic is that? Now, if you don't know who I'm talking about, this is Luke and Jane Wooten. And yes, Jane is from England. Yes, it is her homeland. But she's an American now. Like, you don't spend Independence Day in England. So, I, I'm telling you all this. I, I have permission to share this. I got their permission. But Jane said, there's one thing that you have to do. is If you say this, you have to show them this picture. She says, I wear this shirt every 4th of July because she is proud to be from England. You know what? That's patriotic too. That's patriotic too. But I'm from America, so we're going to celebrate Independence Day this weekend is what we're going to do. You know, so we think of this idea of freedom. We think of this idea as um, freedom is something that you just, you just go wild and crazy. You, you are free. You have freedom. You go, you go wild and crazy. You might think of like an open meadow and maybe, I don't know, this animal that's been cooped up for a really long time and then they're, they're set free and they just start running as fast as they can. You have freedom. No rules, no nothing, just free. Or you might think of a, a teenager who on the last day of school, they're about to enter into summer, and they run out of that classroom and they're throwing their book bags up in the air. And I know the teachers have never seen any of this before, right? And they're all screaming, freedom, no rules for the summer. And all the parents are like, hey, you're going to have rules. But we think of this idea of freedom as having um, just, just nothing, right? But there is freedom within boundaries. There is freedom within boundaries. And in fact, since we're talking about this America, we're on this America kick, 1776, we declared independence from England. But what is one of the first things that we did as a nation? We wrote up a constitution. We wrote laws to support the constitution because there is freedom within boundaries. There's freedom within boundaries. But greater than national freedom, there's spiritual freedom. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the spiritual freedom that we receive when we receive Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We get an amazing amount of freedom. So let's talk about that. If you have your Bibles, um, please turn to John chapter 8. That's where we're going to start out today. And um, because I'm the kind of guy, I like to know the context of things I like to know the stories that surround the story that we're reading. Um, I'm going to give you a little bit of the context to this chapter. Um, in John chapter 8, so what is, what is kind of going on is Jesus is in Jerusalem. And the, the nation is celebrating the um, Feast of Booths. Booths, I can't say that right quite. Not the Feast of Booths, the Feast of Booths. All right, that's what they're celebrating. And um, what they're doing is they're, they're kind of congregated around the temple. And um, in this passage, Jesus is teaching in the temple, and he's talking to these different people, and some people are starting to believe what he's saying. Some people are starting to say, hey, these things that he's saying, like, it really sounds true. I think he's right. 
these things about God, these things about himself. But then you have this other group, the Pharisees, namely, who are not believing, and they're kind of putting some opposition. You know, we see this a lot in the Gospels. They put this opposition up against Christ, and they're not believing. And so Jesus starts to address mostly the people who are believing, but also those who are not believing at the same time. And this is what he says. In John 8, verse 31, he says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. Okay, get that first. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. If you abide, if you dwell, if you live in, if you remain in this realm, in my word, you are my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So what Jesus is saying is, I have a word that I'm giving you. I have a truth that I'm giving you. And if this is where you live, this is where you remain, this is where you abide and dwell, you will know this truth, and this truth is what is going to set you free. You will have freedom when you know this truth. And so those who are there who weren't quite believing, they, they, they answer him, and they say this in verse 33. They answered him, we are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So you know, this is interesting. They're claiming that because they are of Abraham, because they can trace their genealogy all the way back to him, that they are not enslaved. And I have to wonder, did they, do they know their history? Because you know, I've read the Old Testament. I know that the Hebrews, you know, going way back, were enslaved to the Egyptians at one point in time. And I know that the nation of Israel was captured and taken to Assyria, and they were in captivity in Assyria. I know that Babylon did the same thing. They were held in captivity in Babylon. And at this point, though they are not really enslaved to anyone, but the Roman government has set up their empire and is governing over Jerusalem. And so in a sense, they are subjecting their, themselves to this Roman government. So as a nation, they're really not free with like how they're talking about. So they're saying, you know, we have been, we have, we have never been enslaved. How can you say that you're going to set us free? And also, probably what they're thinking is back in these times, um, slavery was common. It was something, it was almost a profession. Um, there were these people called bond servants, and what they would do is they would sell themselves into slavery to pay off a debt. It's a different type of slavery than what we understand that happened in our country many years ago. But they would sell themselves into slavery, and they would be a slave to that master and have to do whatever that master would say for a certain amount of years till they paid off this debt and could earn back their freedom. But these people are saying, we have never been enslaved to anyone before. How can you say that we, you will, this will set us free? So then Jesus comes back, and he answers them. In verse 34, Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And as as I look around in this room, I see a church. I see a body. 
And I would hope for the most part, all of you are saved. You have been changed. You have been made Christ- become Christians. You have been made free, set free from your sin. So if that is the case, and if you are a Christian, the Son has set you free. What an amazing thing that is. What an amazing thing that is that you have freedom. But what does this mean? What does this mean to be set free? Well, we're going to talk about a few of these ideas. As I was studying for this, this message, I kept going to all these different things. You know, the Bible talks a lot about freedom. There's a lot of freedom. And I wanted to just preach it all in one sermon. <laughs> I was like, if I could just do that, just put it all in. But I can't. So we're going to have to pick and choose and nitpick a few things. So there's three main things that I'm going to be picking out today that talks about our freedom as children of God. As, as, as being um, set free in the power that, God has, that Christ has given us. So the first one we're going to look at is free from sin. We are free from sin. Hallelujah. We have been set free. We are free from sin. But you may be sitting here thinking, that is true, but I still sin. I still struggle with sin. So what, what does that mean? So let, let's unpack this. In order to do this, let's go over to the book of Romans. We're going to turn over to the book of Romans. And chapter 6 is where we're going to be at first. Romans chapter 6. Like I said, I like context. So I'm going to kind of give you the context going into, this verse, into these verses. Um, Romans 5, Paul is talking about the grace that we get from God. When we, are, when we become Christians and we are made new, we get this amazing amount of grace. And let's go ahead and read. In, in Romans 5, verse 20, it says this. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So what he's saying here is that where there is a lot of sin, there is a lot of grace. God is giving you this grace. He is freeing you from these things. And see, the thing about grace is we, don't, we didn't earn salvation. We didn't earn the right to go to live in eternity with him. He is, he is giving this to us, and it's because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and him paying that penalty for us. And when we believe in him, we get that. So with that, we get an amazing amount of grace. And so he's saying that. You're, where there's sin, where there's lots of sin, there's lots of grace. And that's awesome. I love, I love to hang on to that truth. Because I don't know about you guys, but I sin. And I would, I, I would say, I know, you, everyone sins. Everyone does. But there's an amazing amount of grace. But then, freedom from sin. Let's go to Romans 6. He says this in verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? So are we to continue sinning just so that we'll have more grace? And then Paul says this. By no means. Now let me give you the country boy translation. Should we continue to do wrong? Shoot. All right. Just in case you weren't picking this up. That's what he's saying. No way. No way. And now maybe you're from the north. Let me give the Yankee translation. Forget about it. Continue to say, no way. Come on, guy. 
All right, I, it worked out better in the first service. I don't know. My, my Yankee accent went out the door. And I think it's because my mom and my grandpa are here, and they're from New York. You see, growing up, I had both. I had a southern daddy, and then I had my mama from New York. And she didn't always have a Yankee accent, but, man, it'd come out, especially when we were in trouble. So I got both. I got both. But just in case you're not picking up what Paul's putting down here, He's saying, should we continue to sin just because we have grace? Should we continue to do this? No. Don't continue in your sin. You've been freed from that. So let's read further. In verse 2, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in a newness of life. See, the reason we've been freed from sin is because we have died to sin. Spiritually, we have died to sin. There has been a death that has happened, and a new life has come. And, in fact, we no longer have to live under this sin. We no longer have to live under its authority. Romans 6, 7, and we're going to read this too. We're going to skip all the way down to verse 7. It says, for one who has died has been set free from sin. The one who has died has been set free from sin. Let me say it to you this way. There, there's an illustration that I've heard that, that helps us better understand this. Let's think of your life before Christ almost like a country, a nation, who had a dictator or a tyrannical government. And what happened is this other country came in and liberated this country by going to the capital and setting up this new administration to set free the people who were enslaved to this rule, this dominion. And what happened is the problem with that is there's still pockets of that administration who, who they weren't eradicated completely from that country. They're still there. And so they still try to overtake and they still try to take over that government. And that is what it's like in our life. When we have been set free from sin, we have died to it. There is a new rule. Christ now rules and reigns in our hearts. But sin continually tries to creep up. But how we combat that is we choose to say, no, I'm not going to sin. We don't have to obey it anymore. It no longer reigns over us. We have been set free from that. So i got to be thinking, you know, when, when we do continue in our sin, what is God thinking up in heaven? He must be looking down saying, I have sent my son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for you. I have set you free and I just rescued you out of this trap, and you're falling back into it? Like, he must think how ridiculous it is for us to do that. To better help us understand this, I will have a video that we're going we're gonna to watch real quick. This has to be what God must be thinking. We were, we were trapped in our sin. We were freed. Hallelujah. And we dive right back into it. We dive right back into it. It's, 
it, it's so funny. Like, God must be up, up in heaven saying, what in the world? Like, I just got you out of this trap. This is what you were dealing with, and I just rescued. You repented. You confessed. Like, I saved you from this. And then you just go jump right back into it. How can you do that? How can you do that? How could Jane Wooten, she was made an American, she was freed from the tyranny of England, go back to England every single Independence Day? How could she do that? And we're, we're not going to say anything about her and her mom's birthday. We're not going to give her that benefit of the doubt. How can we continue in our sin? And that's what Paul is saying. You don't have to continue. You have been made new. You have been freed. I want us to also read this in verse um, 12 of Romans chapter 6. It says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought, bought, excuse me, brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law but under grace. You have been freed from sin. You have been freed from it. But I think the reason why we oftentimes fall back into sin, I think there's a lot of different reasons, but I think one of the reasons that we oftentimes fall back into it is because we get so focused on not doing it. That our focus gets off of looking at God and it gets put on not sinning. So to, to better help you understand this, um, does anybody in here enjoy mowing their grass? Okay, we have a couple that enjoy it. So I, I, I love mowing my grass. Um, <clears throat> I love making lines in my grass. I've used this illustration before, but I've got to use it again because it fits this so well. I love making the dark line and the light line. The dark one and the light line. You know, it's the same yard, but it just it looks so nice <laughs> after you've done that, right? So I have learned that one thing that helps you is when you stay focused on a focal point and that keeps your line straight. See, what I used to do is I would, I would be mowing on my, on my tractor and then I'd look down and, oh, I've got to keep this line straight. Oh, I'm going this way. Oh, no. I've got to stay focused on this line. Oh, no. And then I look back behind me and it's looking like this. That's what my line looks like. But when I stay focused on that focal point, it is the straightest line that you can imagine. And if we could stay focused on God, we could stay focused on him and not focused on not sinning, maybe we won't end up there. Because if we stay focused on him, our focus isn't on the things around us. It's on Jesus. It's on God. And so maybe that is going to help us to be free from our sin and not fall back into those traps. So just as we were freed from our sin, another freedom that we have is we are free to obey God. Not only are we free from the, the trap and the grip and the power that sin had on us at one time, but we are also free to live in obedience. We are free to choose to do what's right. We are free to obey Him. So let's, let's look at um, further at Romans 6, 
in verse 15. And it says this. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under the law but under grace? Shoot. By no means. By no means. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? Either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin has become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed, and having been set free from sin, having become slaves of righteousness, I am speaking in, so, I'm not, yeah, having become slaves of, of righteousness. So, so think about this idea. We are always serving something. We are always serving something. We are always subjecting ourselves to something. It is impossible, and I don't know, maybe this is just how God created us. It is impossible for us to go through life and truly be in charge and in control. We always have to submit to something. It might be our job that we're submitting to. It might be our way of life that we're submitting to. It may be neutral things that have no uh, sin value added to it, but we are always submitting ourselves to something. And Jesus even said this in Matthew 6, 24. He said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And in this context, he's talking specifically about money. That's what he's saying. Serve God and money at the same time is what he's saying specifically. But I would even take that further, and I would say you can apply that to anything in life. You can apply that to anything in life. Um, so I'm, I'm weird. I'm just going to throw that out there. I'm weird. And I go through these, like, obsessions from time to time where I get on this kick about something or I'm really all involved, like my mind is just all involved on, on fixated on something over here. And it completely dominates me. Now, these things might not be sinful in and of themselves, but the point is, is that I subject myself to these obsessions, passions. We'll call them passions. That sounds a lot better, right? So at, at, some, at one point, this was several years back, I found this, uh, this artist. His name is Josh Garrels, and he has some incredible music. And I just fell in love with his music. I love music. I, I think God has given me a little bit of a giftedness in music where I can at least appreciate it very well. I, I love to listen to music. And the thing about Josh Garrels is his music is what I would consider art. And a lot of things that we hear today on the radio, even, I know, even on K-Love and WBFJ, it's just that cookie-cutter stuff. It just is, you know, and I'm not trying to bash it because they're still, it's still praising God. It, it is. But there's something about Josh Garrell's music that it's just it's beautiful. From, from <clears throat> the poetry that he uses to the way that he, he strings all of his music together and he tells a story through his albums, like it's just awesome. And so I just, I became obsessed with it. <clears throat> so much so that <clears throat> I would spend a lot of time at night like just trying to listen to as much as I could. Excuse me. I don't know what's happening to my voice, but we're going to keep going. So much so that to the point where I would just listen to as much of the music as I could. And it was taking all of my time, all of my focus, some of my sleep. (laughs) 
<laughs> just because I, I wanted to get it. And so that's an obsession that I subjected myself to. And another one, um, back at the beginning of 2020, right when, but right before the pandemic hit, Heather and I decided that we were going to start our garden. And we were all excited about this. And we thought, you know, there's not many people doing this right now, you know, especially our age. People aren't getting into this. And then the pandemic hit, and everyone <laughs> started gardening. Well, anyways, I realized that I really enjoy taking a seed and sticking it in some dirt and watching a plant magically, I know it's not magic, but magically pop up out of the ground. And from that plant, we could get the produce and we could eat it and it's healthier than the stuff in the store and something about that it just consumed me and I want to know all about gardening like I I loved it I remember talking to I think it was Aaron Sink one time we were talking about it and he was saying how you're not going to enjoy it you know the next few years I was like no this is awesome well he's he's right (laughs) that that obsession has (laughs) gone away (laughs) yep But it just consumed me completely. And I would say we all, to some degree, we have these things that they do. They consume us, and we subject ourselves to them. And we got to make sure that it does not become something that takes our focus off of God. Because there's nothing wrong with gardening. There's nothing wrong with music. There's nothing wrong with whatever the things that we might be Uh, consumed by but if it takes our focus off of God that's when it becomes a problem and see the thing is is we were freed from sin so we no longer have to obey it what we can do is choose to obey God we can choose to walk in obedience and obey God So you have to choose, who are you going to obey? Thank you so much, Thomas. Maybe, oh, that made it worse. I'm just kidding, I'm sorry. I know that's a a little frustrating, but maybe more frustrating for me than it is for you guys. So the next thing, the next thing is this. We have been freed from sin. We have freedom. We don't have to obey it. We no longer have to live in the grips and the power that sin has over us. In fact, we can live in obedience. We can live in righteousness. We can do what God has called us to do. We can live in this new dominion. But what else have we been freed from? We have been freed from guilt. That's going to be my last point. Is I truly believe that there are a lot of Christians who knowledge up here knowing they have been freed from these things they still live in their past mistakes. And they say, "How can I move forward? I know what I have done in the past. I know what all of these things these were wrong." And I know God has forgiven me, but how can I move forward? And they live in their guilt, and it traps them. And it keeps them from serving him. It keeps them from 
investing their lives into ministries around them. It keeps them from doing other things that God could have that are just great from their, for their life. But they're trapped in this guilt. But you, being made new, being freed from all these things, have also been freed from your guilt. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. And it says this, Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. If you have been changed, if you are a Christian, then all of your evil deeds and all of your sin has been put on Jesus Christ and he paid the penalty for you. He paid the payment for you on the cross and you are no longer condemned. So why are you living in shame? Why are you living in guilt? Move past that. God has freed you from that. But I think there are so many of us that we just can't get past it. We have to believe that Christ has done this for us. Christ has changed us. He's saved us. And he has released us from all of these things. He has made us free. He has made us free. See, the thing is, oftentimes we may feel guilty and we may feel convicted over sin. And there's a time and a place for that. Because if you are dealing with a sin, an unconfessed sin, that you are going through, then you should feel guilt. You should feel conviction. That's the Holy Spirit working inside of you. And I even heard someone say, in fact, it was Billy Graham who said this, that the closer you get to God, the more you may feel guilt. Because the closer you get to him, the more he reveals of yourself that needs to change. And he reveals the sin. Think about Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 6. I love this, this passage where Isaiah, in a vision, he is taken before the throne of God, and he, is, he is, goes before him, and he, he looks, and he says, Woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man of unclean lips. Isaiah, a prophet, a righteous man, is brought to his knees when he goes before God, because he realizes the sin that he has. But you know what's awesome in that passage? is an angel comes up to him with a burning coal, from the sacrifice and touches his lips and purifies him. And that is what has happened to you when you are saved. Your sin account has been washed clean and you have been made new. And so the guilt and shame that you feel from the past sins that you've been forgiven of, you don't need to feel that anymore. You don't need to live in that. You have been made new. So stop living in those things. You have been freed. And here's the thing, if you're not believing that and you're not living in the freedom that God has given you, you can't impact others for the gospel's sake. Not as effectively, not as effectively. God can use whatever he wants and he does and he uses us at our weakest moments. But the more you choose to believe to live in the freedom that God has given you, the more he is going to use you to impact others for the gospel's sake. 
So it is up to you to preach to yourself. It is up to you to tell yourself the truth that God tells you. Don't believe the lies that Satan wants to throw at you. Don't believe the things that, oh, because I have done this, I am no good, I am nothing, I am rotten. None of us are good. We are all dirty, rotten sinners. That is the, that is the truth. Who have been made new, who have been washed clean by the blood of the Lamb, and we have been given freedom. And that is something to claim to the world. That is something to shout about. That is something to say hallelujah, even in a Baptist church. <laughs> something to raise your hands about is that you have been set free. So before we end this service, I want to ask you guys to do something. We're going to read some scripture up here on the screen. And <clears throat> we're going to read it collectively together. We're going to all stand up. And I want you to read this and say it for yourself. I want you to preach these things to you, to your heart, to yourself, as we say it together. So please all stand, and we're going we're gonna to say these scriptures together. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Psalm 103, verse 12. <clears throat> as far as the east is from the west... So far does he remove our transgressions from us. Hallelujah. That is amazing. Hebrews 8, hallelujah. That is amazing. Hebrews 8, 12. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. This is truth. This is truth to hang on to. This is truth that sets you free. And Jesus said in John 8 that this truth will set you free. And you will be free indeed. You can be seated. You can be seated. Preach this to yourself daily. And when the enemy of lies comes and tries to keep you from moving forward in your walk, to keep you moving forward in your ministry to others, when the, the enemy comes and tries to dampen your spirit and say, you remember all of these things that you've done? How could you be effective for God? You throw these scriptures right back at him and you say, because I've been set free. Because Jesus Christ has made me new. He has washed away my sins and even though I still struggle, he has made me new and I have his righteousness. And that's what you can hang on to. And that's true freedom. That's better freedom than being an American. That's freedom that goes across this world, whether you're an American or not. Whether you lived in a, a century before America was here or a century that America may not be here. The gospel is true and it continues to go and it sets people free. It sets people free. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that it sets the captives free. And Lord, I pray this morning that those who are here, maybe they're here held captive in their sin because they've never allowed you to free them. They've never been changed. They've never believed in your son that he died on the cross for their sins. God, I pray that you would save them today. And it's as simple as believing in you and trusting in you and asking you to, to forgive them of their sins. God, I pray that you would do that today. Move in people's hearts. But God, there may be some here that are, they are still held captive to their sin. They're still held captive to 
the guilt and the shame that they have. God, I, I pray that they know that they are free to obey you. They are free to live in righteousness. They are free to live the way that you have called them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would free people today. I pray you, I pray you would free us from the things that hold us back from serving you. And we thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. I invite you to stand. Uh, we're going to have this invitation. And if you need to do business with God here at the altar, that's fine. If you'd like to talk to me, that's fine. If you want to stay in your seats, that's fine. But let's do this and let's worship God. And I usually don't like to do this. Um, this is a new song. but It's not a new song. You know, one of the freedoms that, that I have, and I'll share with you, is because it's the same freedom that you have, is to walk right out that door and proclaim God's word. So we're going to sing God's word today as we close. And it's song